0: Good evening. Welcome to Calvary at Vista at Home. So glad that you have chosen to join us tonight and we're so looking forward to this evening. We're beginning tonight a brand new series on what has been called the greatest commandment. Jesus summed it up this way, that we're to love God and we're to love people. But here in this passage in Mark chapter 12, Jesus begins to break this down in such a way that it gives us some great insight into what loving god is to look like as well as what loving others is to look like as well now tonight i have with me some friends that are going to join me for this discussion we're going to kind of do a little group discussion as we unpack mark chapter 12 if you want to turn there uh verses 28 through 31 and i'm going to go ahead and let them introduce themselves starting with to my left here
1: hi i'm sierra denham
0: i'm pete denham
2: I'm Denise Salvato, married to this handsome man next to me.
0: Hello, I'm Jamie Urbina. And I'm Aaron Savio. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for being here and looking forward to our conversation together. And uh, let's go ahead and pray, and we'll just uh, give this evening to the Lord. Father, we thank you so much for just loving us, and we thank you, God, that we know that our love for you is merely a response to your love for us. And tonight, as we begin to just consider this passage, we ask, Lord, that you would give insight, that you would just enlighten our hearts and our minds. And God, we pray that this discussion would be a blessing to you and to anybody else who is watching this uh, and has joined us tonight. And so we give you this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to begin reading here in, in Mark chapter 12, verse 28. Where it says, then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Let's pause there for just a moment, I want to kind of set the scene here. We have this scribe that comes up, and a scribe today would sort of be like a seminary professor. The scribes were the, the ones who, who studied the law and they they broke it down. And, you know, in the Pentateuch, there were 613 different laws and 10 glorious commandments. And the scribes, it, it was their job to really go into those commandments and, and just, you know, determine what they really meant and how, how they were to be applied. And they produced volume after volume after vol- volume d- describing all of that. And maybe, you know, to, to us that would seem excessive. But you know what? We have a tendency to do the same thing. In fact, I Googled today the difference between the speed limit and keeping up with the flow of traffic. How many results do you think came up, uh, Aaron? Aaron? Uh, I, I'd tell me. Not sure. <laughs> Anybody want to take a guess? <laughs> no. 270 million results oh, to that question. <laughs> so it gives you an idea, you know, how we have a tendency <laughs> to debate everything. And they were the same way. So the scribe comes and he asks Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of all the commandments? And this was Jesus's response. We'll pick it up in verse 29. Jesus answered him and said, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. This is the first commandment, Jesus said. And the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus said, there is no other commandment greater than these. Now, when Jesus said that, the scribe answered and said to him, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but He. And to love Him with all of the heart, and with all of the understanding, and with all of the soul, and with all of the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And now when Jesus saw that He answered wisely, He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And then it says that no one after that dared answer or ask Jesus another question. It was like, okay, this guy has his stuff together. So, this commandment that Jesus gives here has been called the, the first commandment. Matthew's gospel calls it the greatest of all the commandments. And, and the first and the greatest of all the commandments is to love God. That's what it's really all about. And then our love for others is really going to flow. That's why it's so important, our love for God, because our love for others is really going to flow out of our love for God. And so over the next five weeks, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be breaking this down and considering what it means for us to love God with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And then in that final week, we're going to look at what it means. And and this is going to be a really interesting week when we look at this one and and the way that we're going to do it. Just a little teaser there. Tune in for that. But what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves. But tonight we're going to start with the heart. And here's what we need to understand is that when Jesus uses the term heart, he's not talking about the muscle that's inside of our chest. You know, he's not talking about your ticker, as someone, you know, might say. But the, the word heart is, is the biblical idiom for the seat of the desires. The heart is the core to our whole decision-making process. The heart is the command center, it's been called, of our lives, you know, we could say that if your life was NASA, a NASA rocket, that the heart would be mission control. So I want to ask you guys this question, and, and we'll just, you know, kind of throw it out there. Describe something that you do with all of your heart. Aaron, why don't you give
3: us a yeah, uh Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this, and there's a couple different things. I wanted to sound cool. So I'll say the cool thing first. I love volleyball. Uh, you know, I played volleyball in high school, coached volleyball in high school, coached the season before COVID nineteen. Uh, I love volleyball. Uh, and then uh, the second thing is not as cool, but I think it's awesome. Uh, indoor plants. I, I love researching indoor plants. I have over sixty four indoor plants in my little studio apartment. I just love it. Wow. Yeah. Sixty four. Yeah. <laughs> and it's propagating season right now, so there's there's a little bit more than sixty four now. Yeah. All right. Somebody else. Pete, what do you do? Something with all your heart.
4: Well, I, uh, I'll start with a, with a cool one too. Um, I love coffee with all of my heart, which kind of sounds wrong. Um, I have my handy dandy coffee right here to my right, but I love coffee, passionate about it, passionate about the taste passionate about different origins um, I love my wife with all my heart that's the more holy answer um, you know I think our, our relationship and, and going on dates and doing things together and cultivating cultivating our relationship and, um, and then I love wrestling my kids I'll wrestle my kids with all of my heart I love it, Liam and I we get into some great wrestling matches
0: so yeah Awesome. somebody else want to respond to that one?
5: Yeah, I'll share. I, I was kind of thinking this in a way of contrast, like the things that maybe I don't do with heart compared to maybe some other things. And, you know, anytime I'm working with my hands, whether if it's like designing or building I just turn into like a super focused, you know, Jamie. And, uh, you know, we just started painting on the inside of our house. And as soon as we started, I mean, I almost had to like, you know, hold back the perfectionist Jamie from coming out. But I turn into a different person. I start doing all this research. I start calling all the painters I know to get advice. And I'm getting all the right tools. Because I'm so focused on this goal of doing well and it's because I have a passionate, you know, or I have a passion for, for doing well, doing a good job, walking away and being being pleased with what's left.
2: Yeah, I'd say, you know, obviously loving Rob and my kids passionately love with all my heart. Um, but the one that I couldn't get out of my mind um, is just when I get to lead worship for women's ministry, just sitting down, me, my guitar, and Jesus, and preparing, and the presence of God, I mean, that, it's with all my heart, yeah.
1: That's, that's awesome. I love to cook for people and entertain, and like, to me, like, that's like, little, like, tastes and bits of heaven, She's like, really creating, like, a uh, like a space for people to connect and, like, talk and, like, really deeply connect. I love that, like, where they can, like, sit down and slow down and just enjoy, like, really good food. That's, like, my... I love it.
0: That's awesome. Those are great answers, and I think from that we see we're not talking about things like filing or filling out an expense report or you know taking out the trash i mean if 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 one of you takes out the trash with all of your heart you're kind of weird all right you know um so I, i think we're talking about things i think jamie you mentioned this the word passion you know when it says to the idea of loving something with all your heart is you're passionate about it, you know. You're passionate about your kids and and coffee, and and you know you're passionate about worship. And, and you, Aaron's and can you, yeah and, yeah, and Aaron's passionate about plants. And <laughs> <laughs> I love my plants. <laughs> you know, it's to me, it's like the picture of. You're watching a football team and your team's on the, you know, the goal line with 10 seconds left and what are you doing? I mean, you're cheering, right? With all of your heart. I've seen little petite little ladies like <laughs> yelling at the TV screen, you know, because they're so passionate about that and you know, it's the idea when when you fall in love, Aaron. You should pay attention to this one. You know, when when you fall in love and you you're getting to that point where you want to, you know, propose to somebody, and you know that's something that that you're you're gonna do with all your heart. You know, right? It's not gonna be some. Casual type of thing, and I think that's what we're talking here. It's something that you're doing passionately versus just casually. You know, it's it's Rocky in Russia training to fight Ivan Drago. You know, I mean, that was like with all of his heart, right? Type of a thing. So, so to love God with all of my heart, it's to make Him the direction. The center, the focus of my life. It's it's saying, I I want to be a part of what God is doing, and I want, you know, God to be a part of, of my life and what I'm doing. In fact, Jesus said this: He said, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added unto you. And you know, the key word in that verse is the word first. Because if he simply just said, hey, seek the kingdom of God, our tendency would be like, yeah, I'll get around to that or I'll I'll try to make some time for that or I'll definitely do that whenever, you know, I'm able to do that. But but when he says seek first, he's saying, I want this to be your focus. I want this to be your priority. And and, you know, that's, I think, a good picture of of what this is about. When God says, hey, I I want you to love me with all of of your heart, as he's saying, I want to be the center. You know, I want to be the focus. So let's talk about some biblical examples of some people that we see in Scripture who loved God with all of their hearts or or did something for God. We can put it that way, too, with all of their hearts. And um, Pete, why don't you start us off? Who, Who... Who comes to your mind?
4: Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, You know, I share the name with this individual, but Peter comes to my mind. We just talked about him on Sunday morning, but I'm honored to share his name. And I think that he's a very passionate follower of, of Christ from... You know, from his first moment being commissioned by the Lord, it's recorded in Luke five. You know, there's a miracle performed when Jesus tells him to cast his, you know the nets on the other side of the boat after they had had a whole night of fishing and, and failure, and and God performs this miracle and breaks the nets and Jesus falls at at the feet of uh, or Peter falls at the feet of Jesus and says, "Lord, depart from me, I'm a sinful man." And he recognized who he was and and you know in light of his Savior, and you know, but I also think with with the example of Peter. You know, he was passionate, uh, or his passion you know, was misguided at times as well. I think it's something for us to note. And I think there were moments where he probably thought he was loving the Lord with all of his heart. Like when he cuts off Malchus's ear in the garden, you know, he's certainly passionate in that moment to defend Jesus, but Jesus didn't need defending in that moment. Um, or, you know, sometimes Peter would get a little bit of ahead of himself and say some things that were not, you know, outside of the will of God. And he would get a rebuke. <laughs> certainly he was passionate, but I think really it's, it's not about how you start in life. It's about how you finish. And I think that's the case with Peter and, and he finished passionately. I mean, he was crucified upside down um, because he didn't, you know, count himself worthy to be crucified the same way his Savior was. And to me, that that has impacted my life in such a great way. His passion displayed, you know, at the end of his life.
0: That's awesome. What about you, Sarah? Who who comes to your mind?
1: For me, it was Mary. Um, she starts like the first picture we see of her is her submitting under the commission that God gave her. And um she says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And then she goes on after she meets Elizabeth, and Elizabeth prophesies over her. She prophesies of the coming king. Um she was submissive under the Lord's commission. And that was the soil in which the Lord was able to work and that and invade her heart really. And her body. Like she got to carry God inside her body, um, and then the last thing is that she treasured Jesus and mothered with her whole heart. Um, it says in in Luke two, verse nineteen and fifty one. In verse nineteen, it says she treasured up all the things and pondered in them in their heart after the shepherds came and worshipped Jesus. And then in verse fifty one, it says that. Jesus was submissive unto his parents when they found him in the temple and they had been searching for him for days. And, um, it says that he was submissive and his mother treasured these things in her heart. And I almost wonder if Mary was the inspiration behind Jesus saying in Luke six, um, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also because really she treasured her King. She treasured her Messiah. She was a Jew and she treasured the coming Messiah, and she was also just like in love with her son, and so she truly did treasure him, and that showed that that was where her heart was
0: Those are great examples, uh, both of you and and I, I think you hit on a key thing there too, of Mary treasuring you know jesus and and Jesus then saying. You know where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, and what we make our treasure ends up being what is the the focal point of our hearts. Um, what about you aaron what 's an example that you have
3: Yeah, uh, I think a good Old Testament example you guys both gave New Testament ones. I think a good Old Testament example is seen in the life of Abraham uh, you know he had his ups and downs, but in genesis twenty two his passion or his heart for God was seen in his step of faith and his simple obedience to sacrifice, to lay down his other affection of his son, Isaac, his promise on whom he loved. Like, it's so interesting. In Genesis 22, it says God was calling Abraham, take now your son, Isaac, your only son, whom you love, and go to the mountain that I will show you. And it was to sacrifice him. And I think Abraham's passion for God was seen in his, again, his faith, his obedience, but he submitted his own affection for his son underneath the will of the Father, Uh, underneath the will of God and I think that's that's huge he was you know that's a that's a huge thing to sacrifice your only son whom you love right and so that's a passionate heart for God Abraham yeah
0: Jamie you want to jump in on that
5: yeah as we kind of stick to the the theme of passion I I couldn't help but uh, think of David and uh, you know King David was obviously a, a passionate man we see that in all of his writings and his expressive heart towards this God that he loved and, and worshiped, and I, I I was thinking just along the lines of worship that scene there in Second Samuel where he is kind of bringing the ark, the presence of God back into Jerusalem and he's found there dancing along with everybody, kind of leading that that procession and uh, and it's kind of to me a picture of this emotional link you know, of his love for the Lord. And I I think a lot of times maybe that can be, you know, I don't want to single out the guys, but maybe with men, it's something that's kind of suppressed and they don't feel very comfortable doing that. But what an expression of love that is outwardly, you know, we are created in the image of God as emotional beings. And I think the Lord loves to see that outward expression of love and uh, you know you were talking about it at a ball game i mean you know nobody hesitates you know i mean at petco park when the padres beat the dodgers you know never happens. the crowd goes <laughs> crazy i mean it's the only time i hug strangers but of course how much more should we passionately be responding and showing our our love and gratitude to our savior jesus christ that way
0: yeah. it's awesome and and uh The Padres never beat the Dodgers, bro. (laughs) Uh, Denise, give us one more example.
2: Yeah, I couldn't help but think of Mary Magdalene. And here's this woman who, before Christ, suffered severely and tormented by these demonic spirits. And Jesus comes and sets her free. And she puts her faith in Christ. And then we just see this pivot in her life where she's just completely passionate and a follower of christ and for me that that word that you mentioned earlier it's part of that decision making and if you look in scripture then you see her everywhere and she's always usually with mary the mother of jesus she's in that inner circle following him serving him using her resources for him, And then what blows me away is, I mean, she was there at the trial, at the crucifixion. She was one of the last to leave when his body was taken down. And she watched Joseph prepare his body. And then she was one of the first, the morning, um, you know, of the resurrection. And then she got that intimate, amazing moment with Jesus. Um, and so to me, where she was once mastered by Satan... Um, Jesus became her master and Lord. And so to me, she's a perfect picture of loving with all her heart.
0: Wow. Those are all really great examples. And I think in them we see, you know, passions involved, obedience is involved, submissiveness is involved. You know, that sense of just being all... You know, all in. Um, I love that term. You know, all in. Like I'm jumping into the pool, and I think the greatest example of this, you know, the ultimate example of this is our Lord Jesus, in the way that you know he loved his Father with all of his heart, and you know it says that he did everything. To please his heavenly Father, and so we read in the Gospels where it says that Jesus literally set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem, knowing full well that in Jerusalem he was going to go to the cross. You know that's what was waiting for him, but that was the plan. And and to set you know his face like flint, it's like a rock, it's like in, immovable. And and then we see him a little bit later in the garden of gethsemane and he's praying you know and what is he praying i mean he's he's in anguish he's wrestling with his humanity um or in his humanity with what's coming the fact that he knows that on the cross he's going to experience what it means to be separated from his father as he absorbs the sin of all of us and so in the garden he prays you know father let this cup Representing the cross, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. You know, and I think in that we see that a big part of of loving God with all of our heart is wanting God's will and God's way above our own. You know, it's it's wanting God's will and God's way above our own comfort, and I think that's what Jesus is exemplifying um, for us there. And so we we see, you know, this, you know, great picture, example of what it means to love God, and all these different examples that we gave, love God with all of our heart, you know, the passion that's involved and the, the heart that's involved, the obedience that's involved. Um, let's kind of switch this now and, and let's talk for a few minutes about what are some hindrances to that. Because I think the thing that we have to admit is that although that is our aim and our goal, we want to love God with all of our hearts, we don't always do that, that it's a battle. It's a struggle. Um, so Jamie, I'll, I'll start with you. What, what are some of the hindrances that come to your mind and, maybe in your life that can, you know, make that a battle? Yeah, it's a great
5: question. I, I, I think going back to the point I made of uh, the example we see in David being a, a passionate and emotional man that he was, uh, emotions can definitely kind of get in the way and hinder, um, our pursuit to love God with all of our hearts. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say, um, you know, that, that we should be detached from our emotions at all. And at the same time, they should never rule our, our pursuit and our, our thoughts. And I think that's in part to what Paul would write in second Corinthians when he talks about taking every thought captive. You know these emotions and uh, um, feelings can be very strong sometimes. In different situations we are we are in. I know um, even for myself, the the feelings of anxiety and worry, sometimes fear. You know, and I think how how many times fear can totally derail our submission and really putting God in uh, or keeping God, I should say, in focus. And uh, so sometimes that gets me kind of in a wayward, um, a wayward place, and i got to really find, again, that center, find Jesus back
0: in his um, prominent place where he belongs. Yeah. yeah, I think there are so many things that we battle, and so many, you know, it can be things in life or experiences that can cause an emotion like fear that suddenly, like you said, I like the word you use, that get us derailed, you know, and we get our focus, you know, off. Um, Sierra, what, what's, what are some of the hindrances that come to your mind?
1: Yeah. The thing that came to my mind was just the distractions of this life. The fact that we are like called to cultivate in this life, but that is really hard to do that in a way where we don't become just like so passionate about the here and now when we live for the, the then and later, like we live for heaven. We live for, um, jesus and so it's just so easy it's just like this tension and i think that's part of living in a fallen and a, like a sinful nature and world and thank god we're redeemed and that we're covered by his blood but that is such an easy temptation to just give in to just the distraction of life because we could just be consumed with everything that there is here yeah.
4: Yeah, and I would, I would totally agree. And I think a, the, a good scripture that kind of piggybacks off of that, really it's the love of the world. Yeah. And John talks about it, first John 2. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Yeah. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, those are three things right there. It's not of the Father but is of the world. And the world is passing away. And the lust of it or the love for it, the passion for it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So I think we can become so focused on the on the temporal, the temporary, and the moment, like you're saying, loves beautifully put, um, that we we hinder the work of God in our own lives and loving Him and experience our whole heart devoted
0: to Him passionately. Well, and let's talk about that for a minute um, because you know there is that one aspect of loving, you know, getting caught up in the in the world, but then there's the other aspect that I think is very, very normal because it has to do with all of our responsibilities. You know, it's just the day-to-day grind and it's the day-to-day, you know, where you you get caught up. I mean, I've, I've said it before. I can have a awesome time with God in the morning, you know, devotions and and then by noon, it's like he's the farthest thing from my mind, and I work at a church, yeah. you know? <laughs> but, but, it's be, but it's because everything, you know, just is it's consuming. You get caught up in something, and suddenly you're... And so I, I'm thinking that part of this maybe has to involve us coming to a place of learning how to include the Lord in those daily responsibilities you know it's like the woman who had the sign above her sink um, where she would wash dishes and it said divine service happens here three times a day you know and 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 that type of of thing any anybody else have any thoughts about you know that picture
3: yeah i think you know, I struggled with this too because you mentioned the the verse reference in Matthew six: seek first the kingdom of God. And I, I always thought it was like a checklist thing, where I, I've learned it is yeah, you should honor the Lord first thing in the morning. But also, He, he needs to be the center. You know, no so matter no matter what you're doing, the center is Christ. And so you're including Him. It's not like you're doing your morning devotions and then leaving Him in the house when you, when you go in the car to work. Like He's going in the car with you. He's going to work with you. And I think that's what Solomon was saying. You know. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. So it is; it's that mindset of abiding, you know. And as we abide in him, he abides with us. And it's that just that spiritual awareness of his presence all around us. I think that's the seek first kind of the let him be the center part that you're referring to. I, I like that.
2: Yeah, and I think back to how you started this out with uh, loving God. It's like. Um like the command center, the thing that that navigates us. And I think that's the difference is what Pete's saying. And when we love the world is, is the love of the world, the navigational pull in our lives or yeah, we are in the world and life is fun and there's a lot to love in this world, but God should be always the navigational force and pull of, of our decision-making and how we live our life.
4: Yeah, totally. And I, and, and I bring up the, passage in John, I mean, we need to be careful not become legalistic. I mean, God has certainly given us blessings in this life and he's given us things to delight in and to Sabbath and to experience the blessings of life, of course. And and we need to engage in those things because that's a part of our loving him with all of our heart. But I definitely think that with inviting him in and including him in our day and, and having him be the center and in the control center of our lives, really, you know, we can learn we can learn to do that with spiritual rhythms. And I think, you know, really being disciplined about you pausing throughout the day not just in the beginning of the day or, or the end of the day, but throughout the day to kind of take a check in your spirit about what the Lord's been, you know, what are your consolations and your desolations? You know, that's, that's an old, uh, you know, <laughs> um, those are some old spiritual terms, but like, where are you feeling the pleasure and the joy of God throughout the day? And where do you feel, you know, where do you feel rushed and hurried and busied in a place where you're distracted from him? It's, it's pausing, you know, the, the Jews, you know, they would Israelites. They'd they'd pray three times a day in the morning, you know, midday, and evening. And I think there's something to that because when we pause throughout the day, you know, we're we're remembering um, that it's all about Yahweh. It's all about the Lord, um, and in Him we move and, and we have our being. So, go
2: ahead. Sarah.
1: I love that point too about how you were just talking about like your work and it's so easy to get caught up in the work and really like the Lord kind of gave me this idea. You said to like seek first and what that is is to set like a precedent over our whole entire life, over our heart so that our work becomes our worship because in the garden God called them to work and he called them to cultivate and subdue the earth and each and every one of us does that every single day. We subdue the earth. I'm subduing naughty children right now. I'm subduing poopy smells. And that's just the season I'm in. You're subduing other things like emails and making sets and (laughs) coffee and, you know, and so, and you're crafting messages and all of this is work, but it's also worship. And so I think when we seek first and we let, the Lord just invade us Mm -hmm. that it becomes um, so much more holy and so much more like it takes the pressure off because that can be spiritual. I love how, um, was it Abraham who like planted a tree and worship to the Lord? Mm -hmm. Like that was something so practical and like, like obvious, like he's planting a tree, but that was his worship to the Lord.
3: Yeah. And I think there, there's that, that balance too, because those work things I know for me can become an idol thing, right? Where I'm getting purpose and identity. And I think you referenced that reference in first John, but he ends his letter, my little children, keep yourselves from idols, right? So even those things can become idols in our lives. And I like what you were saying about pausing each day. Um, And I think for me, what that looks like is, you know, praying, but also singing too, because in the songs, I get to redirect affection back to the Lord because our our hearts are all idle factories, right, and those things can be hindrances right from loving God passionately with all of our heart, but pausing in our day and making a plan to do that, we redirect affection where it needs to be, and that 's kind of the mission control, you know the first overall thing, and that 's something that we have to be aware of because we 're naturally set apart you know, uh, from the Lord in our carnal bodies, right? And it's something that we just need to check. So.
5: Yeah, that was kind of something that uh, really caused, as I was listening to everybody, hearing these pursuits that we uh, endeavor to have of of the Lord, there's a whole other side of this, an even greater side, and that's his pursuit of us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talk about how much we really would desire to love God and do all these things. And I know, you know, for us up here and everybody out there watching and listening, we found ourselves not loving God, him not in the right place and us completely that wayward sheep away from our shepherd. But the truth is that he comes after us. And throughout scripture, he is always chasing after even these godly men that we see in scripture and rescuing and redeeming them. And I just think, you know, for, for me being in that place, I've been reminded to just turn around and do the next thing. That rhythm will always be there. God will always be there to accept our praise and our worship yeah. and that intimacy. And so just an encouragement. I mean, I, I feel like if somebody's listening and going, man, I wish I could be like that. It's time to turn and do the next thing. Mm. Cause it's right there. He's right there waiting. Yeah. So good,
4: and I and I love that I love that you just brought up that he's always pursuing us, and when we invite him in, we're opening, we're we are turning around, we're turning around to his pursuit, and I think we need to be careful to to remember that you know, n- you know, just because we passionately do things, uh, does you know, doesn't necessarily mean there's there's relationship there, or that that God's in it. I mean, I think of that warning again in Matthew seven, where Jesus says, "Not everyone who, who says to me, Lord, Lord." shall enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, many will say to me, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? That's passionate, right? Yeah. Cast out demons in your name. That's a passionate thing. Yeah. Done many wonders in your name. And then he says, I never knew you. Mm-hmm. Just depart from me. I never knew you. So when we turn to him um, and his pursuit of us, that's allowing him to know us yeah. and, to, and to search us. And, and, and that's, a, that's a key, I think, to uh, allowing him into those everyday Moments and um, loving him and pursuing him
0: passionately as he loves him and, and pursues us passionately That's great. so we, we hit on you this idea of the of a hindrance in, in the sense of the battle that we have with the world um, the pull of the world toward our flesh the the world as it relates to just our responsibilities any other Hindrances come to your mind that you maybe find yourself, you know, at, that can battle with, that you can battle with as far as you know, that get in the way of you, you know, loving God with all of your heart. Um, I, I know one that came to my mind is sometimes there's the tendency to want to please people, you know, more than I want to please God. You know, I'm 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 more concerned. I'm I'm, I'm you know, what what are they going to think? You know, and and uh, You know that can be something that totally derails you know my passion because suddenly you know now I'm doing what I'm doing and it could even be you know in a sense of a a good thing you know I'm trying to please Denise um, and and not saying that trying to please Denise would be you know deter me from pleasing God but it it could only if if I was suddenly not doing what god was wanting me to be doing in that moment because i so much you know was wanting to make her happy let's say you know and i think that you know that's something that um we can you know uh battle with and i know for me in that it's i have to come back to that place of first and foremost there's that word first again that i i serve you know i'm living for an audience of one you know um any other hindrances that come to your guys's mind
2: yeah, I mean, we see it all over the Old Testament about idolatry and and all these false gods that they worshipped, and we tend to not bring that into our century and into our culture, but how that's such a big part is there's constant war, just battle for the love of um, wanting to worship other, other gods, false gods, and, and I think it goes back to, like, before in the very first commandment, before he says to love love me with all your heart, he says, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord God is one, and um, if you you just see the heart of grief in God the Father and, and also God as um, the husband, you know, when Israel would not be faithful, the grief that that was and I and so I think just that that battle with um, idolatry in our lives." And then keeping in mind, just like I wouldn't want to grieve you, I'd want you to know I'm faithful to you. Just having that be such a motivation in our, our own hearts that um, that the Lord knows that we're faithful to Him. I want to be faithful to the Lord, that He's one. He's my one and only, um, above all else. So Amen. Amen. That's
0: great. I love that picture. Um, any other hindrances come to your guys' mind?
4: I think of... Uh, the greatest idol factory is as our own hearts. Right. So it's really ourself and it's our pride. And, um, yeah, I think in our culture right now, it worships self and self actualization and realization and do what you feel and do it, you know, is pleasurable to you. And we just worship ourselves and, and, um, uh, we need to be really careful of that because that that's the spirit of this age is, is to have a self focus and, um, I think the root of it's demonic because you know it's it, it's one of the greatest hindrances I think um, in America right now we're facing is you know we have this american dream and and we have this I- ideal that we've been told our whole lives about what your life should look like and um you know you should be comfortable and 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 you know uh, we we need to remember that we we worship we worship a crucified Jesus. In the sense, you know, we, he was a suffering servant and, um, you know, and there's not really room for self necessarily in, in following Christ and we're to die to self and we're to pick up our cross. Again, my answers sound so like, uh, heavy, but I, I, I think, yeah, I think there's something in that.
5: But you kind of skirted on, uh, something that I think is good for us to talk about because, uh, how, I mean, we can't negate the enemy's, um, kind of work, To derail this love of God and the thoughts that come to my mind, and I'm sure all of us, they're not always truth. I mean, how much do we have to wrestle and fight with the lies of the enemy that it's trying to kind of get us to go in an opposite direction? I mean, that's that that is a constant battle, isn't it?
3: Totally. I think too. another hindrance is when we just don't feel like it. Right? And sometimes it's not convenient to follow the Lord. And most of the time, it's not convenient to do anything with all of our passion. And that's part of the dying to self that that act of faith, you know, that the Lord will give us the enablement to do that. Um, I also think too, kind of fighting that cruise control mode, like I'm just doing it because I always do it, you know, that maybe there was once a passion in these things, but now it's kind of just like, it's just habit and we have to kind of fight that cruise control thing. Cause David mentioned something in Psalm 51. He says, you know, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Heart, these, O oh God, you will not despise. And so, there, maybe there was something in David where he was just doing sacrifice yeah. just for the sake of sacrifice. But it wasn't worship to the Lord. It wasn't affection that the Lord was getting from it. Was just kind of like that's just that's nothing, you know. He wants that brokenness of heart and that, that reigniting of passion, you
0: know? right? And that was the whole deal with Israel. So so much as you know, God talked about how they would bring their sacrifices and all that. But but the problem was is they didn't bring their hearts. Yeah. You know, and that was the issue with the church in of Ephesus and in, in Revelation, you know, that they had left their first love. You know, they had all these activities, you know, they're doing going through all the motions and and I think that, you know, that's the thing that I think the Lord is most you know, interested in, especially as we talk today about revival, you know, is that it's the, it's the igniting once again, you know, uh, of our hearts. And, you know, oftentimes you'll see, you know, like on a, a show or something with the paramedics and, you know, they bring the, the, paddles, you know, and they do the clear thing, they run you know, and go clear, and what's it doing? It's like shocking, it's like reviving the, the heart, and, and, I, and I've said before, I wonder if this whole thing that we're in right now is part of God shocking us, in a sense, to to revive our heart, to ignite our passions, to, you know, get back to focusing, you know, on him, because I know for me, like Pete, you said, one of the, you know, self is huge, and one of the things that I can wrestle with is is just The the whole idea of comfort, you know, in the sense where sometimes God is saying, you know, hey, I want you to do this. And I'm like going, I don't want to do that because I know that's going to be uncomfortable. You know, that's not going to be fun, Lord. I know there's I know I I, I know what's on the other side of that. You know, I can already see, you know, that picture. And and yet but if if I'm if I'm going to love him with all of my heart, then I'm going to do what Jesus did. And I'm going to put his will and his way above my own comfort. But I can wrestle with that, you know, at times and, and, you know, coming to that place and even just the simplest things where, you know, God says, hey, I want you to get up an extra hour early this week and pray and seek me, you know, a little bit more diligently than you have been. And I'm like, oh man, you know, it's still dark at that time, Lord, you know, and, and, uh, but we wrestle with that, but there's always, there is the blessing in, in obedience, there's the blessing that you know. uh Jesus said that that the Lord is the rewarder. Or the writer of Hebrews said that the uh, Lord is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And that's the cool thing is is like god's saying, "Hey, I want you to love me with all of your heart because this is going to be the byproduct of it. You know, it's going to so radically benefit you." um As we kind of wrap this up tonight. Um, let's just give, you know, we've talked about a couple already, rhythms and, and, and that type of thing, um, of, of what can help us, that, the love that we have for God in our hearts, what, what can help it grow? And I love this quote from Mark Batterson. He said this, great love is born of great knowledge. He says, in fact, your knowledge is your worship ceiling. Quality of worship is determined by quantity of knowledge. The more you know, the more you have to worship. And I think that that's, you know, really ought to be an igniter for all of us because I think every one of us on this, you know, stage here tonight would definitely say that, you know, my passion for God has grown the more I've come to know him, you know. And, Getting to know Him is an inexhaustible—is that the right word? Yeah, you know, definitely. the inexhaustible experience because there's just so much of Him to know. You know, there's just so much of Him to to delve into, and I love to, you know, just study on like the character of God. And um, there's a great book by Martin Lloyd Jones on the cross, and and it's just you know taking a deep dive into. Every aspect of what the cross means and, and, and how it relates to us. And I think reading things like that just, you know, caused my heart to ignite in a sense of, you know, who God is and my, my love for him. And so I love that quote, that great love is born out of great knowledge. And sometimes, you know, our love can be, you know, only this deep because our knowledge is only that deep, you know, does that make sense? Yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, and the knowledge isn't something that's necessarily like book smarts, you know, about the Bible, but that intimate knowledge, yes. like to know intimately. I, I think of how many times I started a job and I was working with somebody that I didn't care for initially, but through you know the days and the weeks and the months that we spent on the job site working together, you start to kind of get to know them more. And all of a sudden you become friends and this relationship is born. And, uh, and I just think that speaks to that quote, you know, that knowledge, intimate knowledge of God. And, uh, you know, I, I know for myself, that's been something that is a a learned process, right? I mean, I don't think it's anything I'll stop learning. And so uh, just to continue to press in, to know that we do have that responsibility, to pursue the lord but he is constantly there to pursue us and the reward that you mention is is i think what we kind of sometimes desire but we're not willing to put in that work to do that and so i i just think just pursuing that and really experiencing the fruit yeah
2: I can't help but think of we just started um, studying the book of Philippians in the women's ministry, and that's part of Paul's prayer in chapter one. I pray, he's heard about all their love for God and their love for the one another, but he prays that their love would abound still more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So it's a growing in grace and knowledge. Is, should be part of our our walk with the Lord. So, and I find encouragement in that because we we never completely attain, but it's that constant desire to grow in it. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I think when practice practically, like how does this, how do you, how would you implement something like this in in your life? I think, you know, everyone tuning in, I want to encourage you to take a, a, a real hard look at your life and your daily rhythms and really take an evaluation of like, what are you spending the most time, um, doing and, um, you know, and, and then to, to make an adjustment, you know, to give room to grow in, in your relationship, with Jesus, I think um, it can be so easy for us to um, you know skip skip that skip that time or or we miss the prompting of the Holy Spirit to you know wake up a, you know a little bit earlier or to maybe not watch that Netflix show for the third night in a row, you know maybe put the remote down and grab your Bible and and read and just enjoy the presence of of god and and again, but then making sure that the routine doesn't just Become a routine and stay a routine, but that it's the routine. You know, it 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 dives us deeper into relationship, and that's that's what's important.
1: I think too, being sensitive, like it changes sometimes, especially when you have like young kids. It changes about every two months, and so you have to reevaluate. Like, okay, what does our schedule look like, and how am I going to be intentional with seeking the Lord? And like for me practically like i have to write out hour by hour what my day looks like and seeing okay like where are the where are the places where i'm wasting time and where are the places where i can like really like oh that's a 20 minute gap that's like a 15 minute gap where i can seek the lord because if i'm not if we're not proactive about planning time together it's kind of like in marriage like if you're not proactive in busy seasons you're not going to connect and so you have to fight for it. And, um, it's that way with the Lord too. And just talking about that topic of busyness, we're like a busy addicted culture. And so we really need to be, um, mindful of how much we let our culture influence how we view the Lord. And like, does, is he something that we're just supposed to fit in? Like is resting in him supposed to be something that we just fit in like four hours here and there, or is like, The idea of like a sabbath rest like actually biblical because that's what we need in order to really behold him and because he's beautiful and amazing and big and he's given us so much to enjoy on this earth and so those are just kind of the things that like i've been mewling over these past few months because we're busy and like i don't want my busyness to be a block for the lord
3: And I think, too, even just being honest when you don't have a passion for the Lord, to tell them that. You know, I I, I hated confessing that to the Lord because I knew as a pastor, as as someone young in ministry, I needed to be all in, right? But sometimes I didn't feel like it. But the Lord welcomes that honesty. And you can wrestle with that. Like, Lord, I'm not feeling like that sacrifice to get up early to seek you first. And, uh, you know, Jacob wrestled with God. And God engaged with him, and he wrestled and I think it's good to wrestle with your emotions and your thoughts, and you need to do that well, and then you also have to learn to lose to God, you know because ultimately he he has the best plans, right you were saying, so wrestle well, but learn to lose because like you said, um oh what those who seek the Lord i mean You'll find him. You know, what I mean, yeah. those who seek him will find him, and that he's the great reward, the treasure. So, the sooner you lo- learn to lose, the sooner you tap out. You're, the 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 blessing is right around the corner. You know, and so I have to, Lord, I I don't want to love you right now. Can you help me with that? Can you make me willing to be willing at least? You know, and that that honesty, the Lord welcomes that.
4: Yeah, it's like, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Yes. It's 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 that spirit of like, you know, I'm broken. And here I am in all my brokenness, and only you can fix me, and only you can make my heart right, and only you can really rearrange my schedule and rearrange my priorities to be pleasing to you, because I can't do it. Um, so, yeah, inviting him in.
2: And then, I'm sorry. And then I'll just say, because I think we all wrestle with never feeling we're, we're, we're attaining enough, we're loving enough. We always feel inadequate. We always fail. in. But again, turning around what Jamie said, it's just resting in the perfect love of God, and that... He first loved us and that's why we love him and just and just he he's poured his love into us the bible tells us and uh, that hope doesn't disappoint and so just I know in the times when I'm struggling or I'm distant from the lord or there's walls there it's it's just love him worship him um, fill my mind and my heart with the truth of his love that just brings a resting and a I'm just I just settle back in to his love and his grace and then that restores yeah. that that so good. passion
4: and So good. And like preach to your own heart. Yes. I think of the psalm, yes. right? Like, why are you cast down, <laughs> right. oh, I'm my, my soul. soul? Like, why are you disquieted within me? Place your hope in God, yes. right? And I will be glad. It's like, get up, stand up, and preach yes. to yourself. You know, how many times... Um, there've been many times in my life where I've had to do that. You know, we do it in athletics all the time. You know, you go to the boxing gym or, you know, you go whatever and, and you kind of, you're, you're pushing yourself through something like, come on, man, like do it. Come on. We got to do this. Got to get through this round. Got to do, get through something. But it's like how much more spiritually we invite the Holy Spirit. Like, come on, Lord, like do this in me. I need, I need help. Like I need you today. So,
0: so good. And, you know, I think just to go along with that, um, another psalm where David, you know, who was called the man after God's own heart. I mean, the greatest example, um, probably second to Jesus, but, you know, so imperfect. I mean, Mm -hmm. struggle all the time. But he said, Lord, search my heart and know me and see if there would be any wicked way in me. And I thought about that when you were saying you know, what you were saying uh, about, you know, just being honest, like, God, I'm I'm not in this right now, but, you know, help me and search me and help me, you know, show me. Um, Because, you know, I think that goes back to what you were talking about, the whole emotional, you know, thing. And, and, um, and I think, you know, this is something else that I think we have to realize. And we'll, we'll see this as this series goes on. um, Because what we're going to find with each one of these, Um, aspects of loving the heart, the soul, the mind, the strength is they are, you know, interchangeable, They, they, they connect. And, and so there, there is also just the aspect of, you know, there's a passion, but when the passion isn't there, there has to still be a commitment. Because it's not about feelings, you know. And I've, I've said this before, and, you know, it's kind of dangerous to say it with, you know, my wife sitting right next to me up here. But, you know, um, you know there are some days that I wake up in the morning, and I'm like, gosh, I love her with all of my heart. And there's other days I wake up, and I'm just not feeling like that at that moment, you know. But there's the commitment. And <laughs> like, But there's the commitment, you know, there's the sense of like, I am committed to you, you know, and, and where some people, you know, because they allow themselves to be so governed by their emotions, and they go up and down, you know, in their relationship, that they can be in that place where, you know, their emotions dictate their passion for God, when, in reality, going back to the example of Jesus You know, he wasn't excited, you know, he wasn't like skipping into Jerusalem like, all right, you know, they're going to kill me at the end of the week. (laughs) You know, he's weeping, you know, he's he's weeping, not because of he's going to the cross, but just knowing in a sense what's going to happen, you know, how these people are going to reject him and knowing that I'm going to experience what it means to be separated. From my father on this cross and and that 's why you know they say when when the centurion pierced his side and it pierces his heart and out comes this mixture of blood and water and medic, Medical doctors have said that you know that 's not normally what happens, but that 's a sign of somebody 's heart that ruptured or exploded you know that for that mixture to come out, and so you know jesus he 's like wrestling with you know the feelings the emotions the sense of you know john 12 in the middle of that week he's like my heart is troubled with what's ahead of me and 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 that's our lord you know who says that he's that high priest who can sympathize with us in all of our weaknesses because he lived in a body just like ours
5: and it's cool because that was exposed and 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 even for us as we're sharing through the difficulties and challenges that we have and that we endure, there's a vulnerability. Yeah. You know, of course, we're vulnerable to the Lord because he knows all. He knows our heart, he knows our mind. But even to be vulnerable to each other yeah. is important as well. And and I think that's kind of what I was thinking as everybody's sharing, you know, where we struggle when it comes to our love uh, for the Lord. And I think that's really important.
0: Mm-hmm. So as we wrap this up uh, tonight we've learned what it means to love God with all of our heart. That it's to, you know, it's about having, you know, our hearts are passionate about him. It's, it's about seeking him first. It's about being submitted to him, even when we don't feel like it, you know, but it's, it's realizing that our whole lives are to intersect with our relationship with him. That, that that's what it means to seek him first, that, that, I'm desiring his, you know, will and his way above my own. I'm, I'm praying, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, you know, in Rob, um, in my house as it is in heaven. And, and that that is, you know, what this picture of loving him with all of our heart is uh, really about. And I want to thank all of you for being here tonight and being a part of this, and uh, I hope for those of you who are watching that this was insightful and it was encouraging, and I'm really looking forward to the next five weeks just to see what God continues to just teach us, instruct us in um, as it relates to loving him, that every single one of us might find ourselves just falling more in love with Jesus And as we fall more in love with him, we're going to love others the way that he would have us to love others. So um, let's go ahead and pray as we close tonight. Father, we thank you. We love you, God, for um, just your word. We love you, Lord, for the insights that you brought forth here tonight. And um, Lord, I pray for all of us here and all of those who are watching that Um, You right now would be igniting a fire inside of us, that we would find ourselves in a place uh, in this crazy, uncertain world that we're living in right now, that our focus would be um, to just press into you, that uh, our focus would be to grow in our knowledge of who you are, both in our knowledge of the word, but also in our knowledge of by experience of what it means to walk with you and have you as the center and the focus of our lives. And so, God, we pray that um, as your word went forth tonight, that it would it would just minister to our hearts, that it would find within our hearts soft soil where it can take root and grow and produce fruit that would be a hundredfold. Because, Lord, when we... Um, get through this trial that we're in right now with this pandemic. We we don't want to just get through it, but we want to come through it having been and become people who are more in love with you and more focused on you and more yielded to you. And so, God, we ask these things tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.